0: home. There's really no place quite like it, is there? It's a place of comfort and security and safety, a place to relax, to rest, to be restored after a weary day, a place where you're loved and accepted place where you know where everything is and you can put anything wherever you want it to be. It's unique. And I realize that there are some fractured homes and homes filled with challenges. And God didn't intend it that way. He intended home to be a place of rest. Maybe similar to this picture. It's a little bit dated, but I still like the picture. I know at the right house we're finding ourselves in transition. Having been displaced, if you will, from the home that we were enjoying for the last eight years, really the only home that our kids remember growing up in, the longest place we've ever lived, married before. And the Lord has provided us with a nice house on a nice street with nice neighbors, But it still doesn't quite feel like home. Not yet. Why is that? Well, perhaps because we don't have the same shared memories in this new place yet. Perhaps because it still feels a little bit unfamiliar. Perhaps it's because we're still not sure where we put this, that, or the other. There are still pictures to be hung. We are still questioning where furniture goes. Do we like this here? No, we don't like it there. In part for the kids, or a big part for the kids, as the yard has gotten much smaller. I don't know how it could have been any other way. And for Lauren, she wants more flowers to pick to put in the different rooms on Sabbath and around the table. And we planted all the flowers in the last place, and we'll do it again here. Perhaps it's because the car still wants to drive to the other place because it still even now feels more like home. No home is a special place. I still remember as a teenager leaving home. It wasn't far away. It was like three minutes to Southern Avenue University from my home. And I remember the last load in the car as I was taking over to Talge Hall. I'll be really close, mom. Don't worry. I'll still come back here for laundry and to raid the cupboards. But she was emotional and I couldn't figure out why. And she says, well, things are just, changing and they won't ever quite be the same. There's something true to that, isn't there? Home. There's something about the holidays, about having all your kids. Home. Soldiers, when they go off to war, write about home. We sing about it. I'll be home for Christmas, or I'm homesick for heaven. I don't know about you, but the place that I prefer to be more than any other time of the week on a Friday night is home. The last year, we decided to adopt, if you will, a student at Fletcher Academy that had been through some trials. We met them at camp meeting, and because of our struggles with James, somehow we bonded with that family. And so we invited Zach over for as many Friday nights as we could to our home. And Fletcher keeps them very busy. Let me tell you, we only squeaked in a, a few, maybe three or four Friday nights, but we loved those Friday nights, sharing our home with this individual. Now, I understand the boys dorm is nice, but if you haven't been in a boys dorm in a while, it smells like B.O. and dirty laundry, ramen cooking, and it's all this camouflage, if you will, with spray on deodorant and cologne. And as nice as that is, on Friday night, it's nice to be in someone's home with a hot meal A really good fruit salad, maybe with some strawberries in it. Candles. The lighting set just right. There's something nice about home. And it was a blessing to share that with Zach. And he's since graduated and we miss him already. Adventist Home describes it this way. Home should be made all that the word implies. It should be a little heaven upon earth. The sweetest type of heaven is a home where the spirit of the Lord presides. That's the ideal, isn't it? A little heaven upon earth. A respite, if you will, from all the flaming air. Of the world that you may have to face. She also goes on to say, out of the heart are the issues of life, and the heart of the community, of the church, and of the nation is the household. The well being of society, the success of the church, the prosperity of the nation depend upon home influences. So home is vital, home is important, it's powerful to our community, to our church, to our nation. It all rests on these home influences. And this morning, we could talk about all kinds of things about the home. We've talked about various aspects of the home here before. But I believe God has a special work to be accomplished in the home. And it's probably not exactly what you're thinking just now. But it's a home where the Spirit resides. But this morning, I want to look at the home as a place for ministry. Oftentimes, we refer to it as opening up your home. And that can be a scary thing because your home might look a little bit like my home does many times. It's a little bit of a mess. There are things out of place. Things aren't put exactly where they should be. The carpet needs vacuuming. Who came in here with that? Whose toys are these? Whose clothes are those? How come those aren't in the hamper? Who needs to fold this? Take that up to your room. That oftentimes is our Home. And sometimes we are fearful of letting someone else come into our space. I mean, granted, it's a lot easier to come here to church on Sabbath morning, to get dressed up awfully nice, leave all the mess behind, and sometimes that can be a blessing too. And we put on, you know, all of our happy whatever that we want people to see and so on. But to bring them over to our home, anybody like unexpected visitors? Someone's in the driveway! Quick! Pick up! Everything in the closet. <laughs> But what about home as a place for ministry? Now, we're continuing our series on Paul, a man of grace and grit. And we're going to kind of weave this one in here, if you will. But I've called it Bread at Home. Because the early church had a lot to do, we're going to see in just a moment, with meals and with fellowship, and often they took place in the home. The early church grew largely out of the home. It was home church. And in our series, Paul has already completed his first missionary journey. Last time we met, Paul was departing on his second missionary journey. But today I want to insert here a little observation of what the churches around the country in Paul's time were like. So if you have your Bibles, I know it feels like we're going backwards, but that's that's okay. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 and 42, because I think this is the clearest picture, if you will, of the early church. And I think we would do well to imitate more fully the early church in the book of Acts. So we're in Acts chapter two, there in verse forty, and I'm reading, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And so they've just heard this new faith. They've just heard this preaching. They're so excited. They're baptized. But then verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice the four things that they did. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. We could say they continued to grow in the truth. They continued to study God's word. I mean, that's pretty important. But secondly, it says there was this fellowship piece. Thirdly, there was breaking of bread. And then fourthly, prayer. Now, when I think of church, I think of Bible study and I think of prayer, but it's not at the top of my list of things that just come to me. First thing, I'm not saying it's not part of church, but Bible study and prayer are knee-jerk responses. But here in this relatively small list, we also have fellowship and prayer. Apparently, the writer of Acts, Luke, finds these two also extremely important. It doesn't include laundry, polishing your Sabbath shoes. It doesn't include those things, but it includes fellowship, the breaking of bread, sharing meals together, spending time together, encouraging one another, find out how their week went, their ups and their downs, their highs and lows. And often it was over a meal, breaking of bread, sharing what they had. Is bread extravagant? Typically not, but it's sharing what they have. It's fellowshipping together. And if you've had the experience of having someone over to your home for lunch on Sabbath afternoon, you know that the relationship changes in a marked way. After that has taken place, after they've been in your home, after you've been in their home, there is a connection that forms. As you sit at the same table, as you share a meal, as it's not just formalities, but how are you doing? How are your kids? How's life? How's your job? How's whatever? Continuing on in verse 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Notice here again. Yes, they're going to the temple. They're going to church, if you will. That's part of it. But here, repeat, just a few verses later breaking bread, going house to house. We could say home to home. And how did they eat their food? Does it say with gladness and pomp and circumstance? No, that's not what it says. With gladness and simplicity of heart. It was simple fare. I'm sure it tasted good, but it was simple. I imagine their houses looked a lot like yours and like mine. I imagine they weren't always immaculate. I imagine they weren't always everything in order, but they were clean and the table was nice. But it doesn't say they sat down to four course meals and that they were entertained with this or that. No, they sat down to something simple. And notice the results of such a practice. The last part of verse 47. Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There's something about that fellowship that adds significantly, yes, to truth and to prayer. But to be part of a group that cares for you and you care for them, we share what we have with one another, can be simple but profound. I remember our first district. uh, It was a two-church district, but one of them was the Dalton Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Dalton, Georgia. And I was the associate pastor at that church. And early on, there was a small group, sometimes two or three if they had a good week it was maybe five would come to the church for a bible study on friday night so we came a time or two and very quickly elizabeth's very intuitive she says this is just not working we need to have this in our home That's what she said. Sounds like a good idea. Let's try it. Let's ask the group and see if they're open to that. They were mostly singles and whatever, anywhere from high school to young adult. And so we tried it out. We said, why don't you come to our home, our simple little apartment? It was not big. And we came and we met in our living room. And when they came in, she had the smell of fresh cookies that had just been baked. And she had some juice of some kind, maybe some cut apples. I don't know what exactly it was, anything she wanted to get rid of, I suppose. But she'd have stuff out there. Well, that's what we came to learn. If you put it out, it disappears with teenagers. They don't ask questions. We would eat some simple food, you know, more refreshment type stuff where we would talk and chat and visit. And then we'd gather around the circle. And the way we did it was simply how it was modeled to me when I was in high school. We just had a small group Bible study. And half of that Bible study was not Bible study at all. It was more the fellowship piece. How is your week? Tell us about the highs and lows of your week. Tell me about how you're doing spiritually and how can we pray for you or what prayer requests do you have? And we would go around the circle. Now, it doesn't take long when you have four people, but you'd be surprised as they get more comfortable, it takes about half the time. And some might say, we need to get into the word. Who cares about this fluff stuff? But friends, I'd counsel you otherwise. The fellowship and breaking of bread is important because then the Bible study takes on new life as you know what their struggle is, what they're dealing with, the challenges they're facing. And you can say, you know what? This might apply to you in your situation right now. And we're going to pray for you at the end of this study that the Lord will help you in this way. And we're going to claim this promise for you in your behalf. I mean, it just ratchets the whole thing up several notches. But so we'd spend half the time going around the circle then half the time studying the Bible and I'd try and ask lots of questions and so on. And then we'd have prayer and we'd be done. But then we wouldn't be done because they wanted to stay for sometimes another hour. And as the group slowly began to grow a bit by bit by bit, we were only there two years. But by the time we left, every room in our small apartment had a Bible study in it. I told them we had to split up. We don't want to split up. Yeah, we got to split up. We can still come together initially and afterwards, but we have to have smaller groups. We can't get around the circle. And so we had one in the living room, which was small. We had another group in our kitchen, which was small. Then we had to go upstairs into the study which was small and then we're right out of space elizabeth we're going to have to have a group in our bedroom our bedroom i don't know about this it'll be all right don't worry we'll put this group up there they're responsible okay so we had a group in our bedroom we ended up having a group in our hallway i don't remember how many we got up to and it wasn't always the same i want to say 30 sometimes 40 people would show up to our tiny little apartment in dalton georgia to fellowship to break cookies and study the Word. There's something about fellowshipping in the home, ministering to others in your home. It adds some level of authenticity, doesn't it? I want to invite Marilyn Bauer to come forward at this time. She relatively recently got back from a trip, and I'm going to come down here on the floor. I don't know these steps... Are agreeable to her right now with where she is. But I'm going to try and bring here a little bit towards the front so we can still get this on the camera. But you just recently went on a big trip and we were praying for you on this trip as well and that God would give you success. And I don't know if you want to start with this trip or if you want to start by going back and giving us some of the backstory about why this trip even took place in the first place.
1: I think I need to give the backstory. All right. All right. The year was 1989, and Dave and I lived in Downers Grove, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Dave was working at Hinsdale Hospital. We lived a few miles away from the hospital. My mother and father, the Hazes, lived with us. Our son, Randy, was working at Hinsdale Hospital and lived in the apartments that they had for their workers, and I thought life was really wonderful. My whole family together, the five of us, our work was pleasant, our church was good, And then in February of 1989, the unthinkable happened. Our son Randy and two of his friends were killed in a plane crash as they flew back from a day of downhill skiing in Wisconsin. The three young men were all workers at Hinsdale Hospital, and so it caused a Great outpouring of sympathy and concern. The three had also graduated, not in the same years, but reasonably close to each other from Andrews University. So that campus was impacted. But for Dave and me and my mom and dad, it was a devastating loss. Randy was our only child, he was the only grandchild, and our hopes and our dreams were pinned on him. He was the joy of our life. And those next weeks were just terrible as we tried to figure out how to live with this and what should be our next steps. How should we go on? And then it got to be May and we had a phone call and the phone call was some of Randy's friends and they knew that his plan was week by week to spend Friday night at home with us, with Dave and me, with his grandma and grandpa, which he called Nana and Papa. They called, and they wondered, would it be all right if a few of them came to our house that Friday night, just before Mother's Day, to have worship with us? We said yes, we'd be glad to have you. And these were kids that we had known for quite some time. They had been at the Andrews campus. They had been with Randy, some of them, one of them from seventh grade, the others from Andrews Academy, and the others from Andrews University. And so when they came in, they were not strangers to us. We hugged each other, and we wiped our eyes. We just kind of did the same kind of, of Friday night vespers that we did By family, we sang songs, and we always chose some responsive reading from the back of the hymnal, and that's what we did that Friday night. Prayer, a lot of talking about Randy, and when they left, they gave us hugs, and we thought this was nice. Randy would be so happy to know that these friends were in our house, in our home, beginning the Sabbath with us. Well, June came, and that's Father's Day, and would you believe we had a phone call? again. The Friday before Father's Day, they wanted to come. Could they come again and have sundown worship with us? And we said yes. And it was another wonderful evening together. Almost the same group. I think there was a difference of two people. There were about five, five or six of them. And as they said goodbye that night, Sue, who we had known from a seventh grader with Randy's class. As she hugged Dave, she said, Mr. Bauer, it's so nice to be in a home to start the Sabbath. And when they left, Dave said to me, we've got to talk about this. He said, this is what Sue said. And when he told me, wow, that really placed something heavy on our hearts. And we thought and prayed about that for the next several days. And then we invited them to come to our house the Friday night of the weekend of 4th of July. And uh, we told them this time we're going to serve you a little supper and we'll have vespers together and I did the inviting, and I said, Dave has something he wants to propose to you. And so that's really where this story begins. They came that 4th of July weekend. It was a big weekend in Chicago. You know, that's the taste of Chicago when the restaurants have all their things out, and, and the fireworks, and uh, symphony orchestra, and the band, they are all there. But I want to tell you, our seven kids all came to our door. As Dave let them in, they were hugging him. And I thought, you know, how is this going to work with my mom and dad here? My mom and dad were old people. They were already just about 90 and maybe a little bit into their 90s. But you know, we had always made them a part of our family and the kids kind of knew them. They knew about Randy's nana and papa. So we just let it go. We were family, and they came in and they not only hugged Dave and me, they went to my mom and dad and greeted them. We sat down to the table and it was wonderful for us. The last time we had seen Randy was Friday night in our house for this kind of a supper and worship. The Sabbath and Sunday, Monday he was on the ski trip and And he died that Monday. And so for all of us, the 11 of us, it was a very poignant time. And as we finished the meal, Dave said, let's go into the family room. Let's sit by the fireplace, even though it's July. It just gives you a homey feeling to be in the room where the fireplace is. And so he proposed to them. He said, Marilyn and I have talked a good deal about how we want to go forward in our lives with Randy Gunn. And we have decided we really want to invest in you his friends you'll kind of be our daughters and our sons and uh, you're welcome to randy's nana and pop and we're suggesting that we have a once a month family gathering we'll call it a home vespers marilyn and nana they'll do the cooking and dave and pop will kind of clean up the house and make sure the floor is vacuumed and the garbage is out But we would like you, our new daughters and sons, to plan what you'd like to do for Vespers. You may do just what we've done, you know, a little singing, a little scripture, a little talking, and lots of prayer. What do you think? It was a no-brainer. They were delighted. Oh, they said we'd love it. And so we set a Friday night in August to be our first home Vespers. And it was those same seven who came. And with my mom and dad and Dave and me, we were a group of 11. We had a lovely time. Mom and I had made a nice buffet meal. We had a huge bar in our family room and we had the food place there, and when they came in, we welcomed them. They had a grand time, and we continued that for September and October and November and December, and we began to say to them, you know, if you have a friend that you think would like to be part of this, invite them to come, and so instead of seven, we began to have 14. Then we were in the 20s, and by a year of meeting together, we were 20 to 25, and I said to Dave, I can't do this all myself. I was working full-time supervising teachers in the Illinois conference. My mother and father were in our home requiring a little care and so we invited two other couples. The conference president and his wife, BJ and Judy Christensen, they were delighted to do that. And a radiologist and his wife, Roland and Priscilla Lonser from the hospital. They were known for their hospitality. We provided the home and the meal and they began bringing their friends. The conversation that we had had with Randy at the Christmas time or the New Year's of 1988, just before the accident, it had to do with his own spiritual standing. And the fact that he would just slip into church and join us, you know, at the last minute. He had been a deacon in Pioneer. He had been active there. And when we talked to him, he said, you know, the truth is, the truth is, I feel like I don't have a place here in this church. There's no room for me. You know how we felt to hear those words. Well, now we began to see some of his friends in church. And I began talking to them in my motherly way about bringing their membership to Hinsdale. That gathering went on for seven years. Some of those kids were in our house 80 times. Do you think we felt like strangers? Do you think they felt that our house was just a strange place to go to? No, they were at home in our house. That coming home was such a wonderful thing for them. Kids came from a great distance. A carload of guys came from Meyer Hall at Andrews University once a month to be in our house to have a good meal. And it wasn't cookies for us. It was a real Friday night meal. Because when Ranty came home, we wanted him to have the favorite things that his Nana and his mother made. And so we really determined that the Friday night supper would be a Feasting time. Simple food, but good. And smell wonderful when you come in the door. It was such a blessing to Dave and me. Those empty Friday nights were now filled. 20, 30, 40, 50, 20-year-olds. So we called this gathering of Home Vespers 20-something. Then, because of my father's illness and impending death, we stopped this. In a few months, we retired and moved back to Andrews. And we had a farewell in the Lonzer's house. And, oh, my... It was an outpouring of affection for us and for what it had done for them, their role in the church, their activities. The highlight of that time, I think, was after a nominating committee had met and one of the 20-something guys called us and he said, tomorrow I'm going to be ordained as a local elder right here in my home church where I grew up. And they're having a new land. They have invited me to invite somebody from the church to be my spiritual mentor as I begin being an elder. And he said, I would like you two to be my mentors. That was a wonderful moment for us to know that our home had made this kind of an impact. Through the years, there have been, especially that first group who were Randy's friends, you know, in the end, dozens of people were in our home who never knew Randy, had no idea about him. But that same little nucleus, they have stayed with us and with me now since Dave's death. They came here for his service in Hendersonville. And then when it was decided to have one at PMC, about twice that number came there. And then suddenly, it was Christmas of of 2018. The mother and sister of one of the boys who died with Randy the Tingzons, uh, a Philam family. They were here visiting their daughter, Wendy Pendleton, whose husband George has been involved. Her her brother died with Randy. They were visiting me and we were just realizing that next year in February is 30 years. 30 years. Well, we said, "Shall, shall we do something to remember our boys? The parents of Randy Schultz have died, so there are no parents left there. We thought, well, February is a terrible month to get back into Chicago as an anniversary of their death, and let's not remember that date. And we decided instead to make it a 30-year reunion of the 20-something home vespers. And Marty, the sister who lives still in Hinsdale, remembering her brother, she said, well, John was big on social media, and I'll take care of this. And, you know, that's about what happened. That's about what happened. They took care of this, and the date was set, and the date was August 23 to 25 in Hinsdale. They began corresponding with me, that group of girls, and Sue, who spearheaded this, the same Sue who had hugged Dave and said, Mr. Bauer, it's so nice to begin Sabbath in a home, that same Sue. She just got on board with this and her group of friends, and I began getting reports from Sue and from Marty, uh, John's sister, who had the boy who had died with Randy, about people who are coming and people who are coming and people who are coming. <laughs> and then in May 31, I had my great fall at home and broke my kneecap. My own upper room prayer group. They said, Marilyn, we're going to pray about this, that your knee is fine and you're able to go to the August gathering. So for nine weeks, I sat with my legs sticking out in front of me and remembering, remembering what I was hoping to be part of in August. And praise the Lord, I got my brace off on the 19th, and on the 20th, I began making my plans for who was going to take me to the airport, and I did fly to O'Hare, and I was there. Now, I want to tell you, what the Lord does with simple little plans that we have. Our plan was simple. Our plan was Randy has a few friends. We're lonesome on Friday night. They don't have a real home. They're in apartments. They have mattresses on the floor because they haven't earned enough money yet to buy a bed. Our plan was very small. We didn't have a vision for anything big and important. But what the Lord does with our small plans and what he does with our homes is incredible. That weekend, there were 51 people who came back to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the 20-something home vespers. And as Sue was doing some calling, she had called one of the guys who lived there yet in Hinsdale. She said, Reuben, we're planning to have uh, this weekend, and we've arranged to have the fellowship hall in the church. We're going to have uh, home vespers on Friday night in the fellowship hall. And... (laughs) She said, you know, most of us are traveling in from a great distance— from Idaho and Texas and LAX. And and she said, we can't do the food. We wondered, do you think that you'd be willing to provide some supper for the home vespers? And Reuben said, well, Sue, you know, everything you've told me is pretty good, but there's one really big mistake. And Sue thought, what, what's this going to be? And he said, you know, from the very beginning, the Bowers always called this a home vespers. That was the thing of it all. It was a home vespers. And now you're saying we're going to have Friday night in the church in the fellowship hall. No way, he said. My wife and I, we will open our home. We'll provide the food and we want them in a home. That's what the Bower's plan was. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it is only now that I have been there with these 45, and the rest of us adults and so forth. It's only now, and as I've read their responses and their memories written to me in my guest book, that I realized that they did like the smell of good food as they came in the door. And it was fun for them to make new friends. We had nine weddings in those seven years. And everybody liked to say, we met in front of the Bowers fireplace. But in their notes to me now, what really mattered to them was our home. And even the fact that there was a grandma and grandpa there, it made our home a real ministry to them. I, I just thank God for all the things that developed from our simple plan. It went on to have a drama club and a choral group, a Sabbath service that they went to rotating churches in Southern Illinois, who sometimes only had a minister once in four weeks. They went on to do wonderful things, took leadership in the Hinsdale Church. And the pastor, Dan Smith, who was there when this accident happened, he came back for the 30th reunion and for Dave's memorial service at PMC. And in both times, he said, I want to tell you that the church that I came to minister in Hinsdale is not the church that I left after the ministry of the home Vespers for 20-something. So pastor, you know... We also had to throw stuff in the closet that didn't get quite put away. And sometimes the supper was not as it was supposed to be. Something didn't turn out quite right, and at the last minute we had a substitute. But I want to tell you that the fellowship and the breaking of bread and being at home, I think, was the ingredient that made that ministry, even now, 30 years later, something that those kids of course, they're now, My, I was 52 when Randy died. They're now 53 up to 60. I still call them those kids. But those things that now stand out in their heart and in their memory and which has tied them to the church. Repeatedly on the weekend in Hinsdale, they said, I would not be here if it were not for, for 20-something. I would not be here if it weren't for the home vespers. I would not be here except for the friendships I made in front of the Bowers fireplace. And so, as I think of the early church, they had a lot right with what they were doing.
0: Thank you, Marilyn, for for sharing that with us. Well, did you get it? Do I need to say anything more? And it may not look exactly like the Bowers Home Vespers. It may be a different night of the week. It may be to a different age group of individuals. It can be a host of things, but perhaps the Lord has, or the Holy Spirit has planted an idea in your mind, in your heart, and has inspired you to say, you know, we should pray about that some more. We need to give that some more thought. We have an academy campus. In fact, we have two of them very nearby. Well, I could only, you know, have one or two or three or four, whatever it might be. I'm not here, and I don't think Mrs. Bauer is here to say it needs to be just like this or just like that. But if there's some elements of this early church practice that we could incorporate, I think the benefits could be tremendous, and I think it would be not only a blessing to this community, to this church, but it would be a blessing to us. And so that is my simple challenge today. Thank you, Marilyn, so much for sharing with us, for the work that you did, for the countless meals that you prepared, and the incredible fruit that we've only seen a piece. seem to see the impacts that they have had on others and the overall impact. We can't see it now, but someday we will. And now they have, and you were saying that when I talked to you before, that many of them are saying, you know, we're the same age. Our, many of our kids are out of the house and we're kind of in the same place in life that you were. Now it's our turn. Weren't they saying that? Yeah. And so I just challenge you, make this a matter of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we can see that when you were here, you often liked to minister in homes as well, be it in the home of Zacchaeus or Mary and Martha or various other places where you were. You were personable. You took time for fellowship. hear about what was happening with them and so lord if we have opportunity to open up our home to provide some simple fare to create the best that we can through the power of your holy spirit an environment for a spiritual conversation and just prayerfully consider lord what would you have us to do who would you have us to invite who would you have us to minister to who could we bring into our home circle and just see where you lead from there lord i pray that you will challenge each of us with that thought and with that idea and make it plain what you'd have us to do. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.